Hold on, let me get a couple thoughts together first. Get this, get this energy. How you gonna come in, dog? Ah! <laughs> you gotta record this. This is shit you gotta record. Yeah, we gotta. Are you really not gonna say nothing? You ain't, you ain't. Mm. You, you already recorded. You already started. Yeah, he probably already started. All right, all right, good. Like, <laughs> you, know, you see this? You see? You see? You know what I'm saying? Got my dog. Got my dog Rouse back here. He ain't saying. He ain't trying to be a part of it no more. It's okay. That's crazy though. It's All good. right, but, you know, let's let's go ahead and kick this thing off, get this started. So, Whew. I'm your host, Marcus Smith II, six-year NFL veteran. I'm a life coach now, and this podcast is called Circle of Them. I got my good guy with me, Don Dre. Yeah, in the building. People don't really know that you are my editor mm-hmm. also. Right? You ran track. Yes, sir. Two-time USA team. Mm-hmm. Right? 12-time state title. Four, yeah. Four-time record holder. Okay. Oh, you, oh, yeah, oh, you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you it. Got we got it today. All right. Um, but uh, the Circle of M podcast is really my circle. It's the circle of mental health. It's uh, us debunking anxiety, depression, and just life. In general, that's why I became a life coach. That's why I wanted to do this. I wanted to do this for athletes and just, um, you know, regular people all over the world. I just wanted to be able to talk about this because this is something that we don't talk about. We don't talk about our mental, like on a daily. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about how it affects our life in general. And at the end of the day, it's 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 a taboo, especially in the black community. Very important. I like to do what we call like a tap in segment. I want to see, you know, how you feeling. Like, how are you really feeling? And really be honest, feeling. like, all right, you all know, right. what is your emotions like today, and how how are you feeling? Emotion wise, I was a little upset earlier. Yeah. I was a little upset earlier. Like one of the mornings where it was one of the mornings where I felt like I just want like to, you know, depend on people. Yeah. You know, depend on things. I just wish you, I could just, you know. Um, but when I came here, got around y'all good energy. You know, I'm a little good now. <laughs> a little good, a little happy. So tell tell us what what happened. Like what happened this morning? Um, you had you had some stuff. A little car trouble. Yeah, a little car trouble. I was trying to be on time. You know, I was excited to be here. But how many people can really relate to that? A lot of people. You know, because you're trying to get somewhere on time. On time. And then something is always just going wrong. You something going to get like, in your way. Right. Something's going to get in your way. But you know what somebody says, though? Um, they say that if you're having car trouble or if something is prolonging you from getting to your destination, God is protecting you from something. Hey, you might have been looking over me right there. You're right, because right. it could have been a wreck. It could have been, been something, something that got in my way. He want you to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> you're right about that. How you feeling? I'm good. <laughs> you know, but no, for real, though, I'm... Um, I'm feeling a lot better today. Uh, I was a little worried, a little anxious, uh, but like worried, a little anxious, and just feeling um, like I, I wanted this to be great. I wanted this to be everything and more, but I have to realize that you know we're not perfect, and that mm-hmm. uh, you know everything works according to you know God's plan. So 
that's what I have to continue to keep on my mind. And then also with this, it's really just um, the way that I do this is kind of like how I did in therapy. So we yeah. would always come in and she would make us go through the feelings wheel. And we would have to really... Trying to announce out- how you feel to get right. get everything flowing and going. Right. We would okay. have to outspeak like how we feeling because yeah. what, do we do that? We don't tell. You don't just walk in the room and say how we feeling. It's what, like, what do we say? What's up? What's up? And I'm good. I'm good. You right? And you might be hurting. You know what I'm saying? That's how we was. That's how we was raised, though. Yeah, that is true. But we need to break that. We need to break that. We do need to break that, and that's why we are talking about it right now. That's why you know I had this segment uh, for this. Um, so let's talk about like mental health in America, right? Um, you actually knew Chesley Christ, mm-hmm. and um, a couple of weeks ago there was a situation that happened where she she ended her life. I want to talk about that a little bit because this is a beautiful soul, mm-hmm. beautiful black woman who had she was Miss USA. Mm-hmm. She was a lawyer. She ran track at South Carolina, like. You know, first of all, condolences to her family. Yes, we send that. But you know, how did that make you feel when that happened? Because you know her personally. Um, of course, I felt a lot of pain. Um, I didn't believe it for the first week or so until it was like actually confirmed. You know, um, yeah. I was in disbelief. But more so, it uh, brought reality to me. <clears throat> it made me think about my life, people around me, life. It made me kind of opened my eyes that people are dealing with serious mental issues, even though they look okay, you know. Um, right. From the outside, and you know, I haven't talked to her prior for a few months, I would say, but just talking to her, she seemed very, very happy. You know, she was just telling me, yeah, I'm a correspondent for extra, everything's going good, you know. So you would think, like, she's in the peak and the highlight of her life from the outside looking in and, for the shocking news that happened, it made it just made me sit back and think like, wow, like what could have been going on through your head, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just you. It, it makes you just. I've had a little cloud over myself the last couple of weeks, just thinking, you know, like you know, just you can't let these things in the inside really affect you and get to you because you were not only she was, but I am important to other people, you know? Right. And, and and in that moment, she probably felt like she was alone. Uh, definitely. I would say alone. Uh, she probably felt alone. Uh, she really had nobody to talk to. I can imagine in her lifestyle, like, you're, you're on a large stage. A lot of people can't even, like, fathom what you really have going on or understand, you know. And, uh, right. Loneliness is 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 a is a thing that I think everybody experiences, uh, let alone myself and yourself sometimes. You know. Yeah, I know, man. It's it's something that you really can't describe because somebody like in her position, mm-hmm. she and even you said yourself when we was talking offline, you was like, you was trying to even like rationalize in your head, like back then, like yo, how are you? being a star yeah and still getting all these things done and moving forward in life like because you know you can't fathom that but that's just the way that she did things yeah and 
they said that she was dealing with high functional depression. Depression, yep. Right? And do we feel like we deal with that sometimes where we just like doing the work is just make makes us go. Do you feel like you deal with that? Definitely. It's it's like a it's like a numbing medicine. It's right. like a numbing medicine. Um I think we spoke about he said uh, a, a band-aid. Something right. like a, a band-aid and uh those are key words that can actually wrap what you're trying to say. You know, mm-hmm. uh, loneliness is, and we have these problems, and we just kind of keep going. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's exa- I mean, that's exactly how it kind of, you know, rolls off. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a good segue into what we're going to be talking about. You know, mm-hmm. we're this, this segment is truly about abandonment. And, uh, you know, I really feel like you have an amazing story, and I, I want you to be able to, you know, share that. Uh, to the world, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things that you dealt with at an early age uh, and how those things traveled with you and then also how you overcame those things. Okay. But we was talking about being alone, mm-hmm. right? You know, before when I was having a conversation with you, we talked about when you was nine, mm-hmm. ten years old, right? Um, when you were nine, you, well, let's do this. Like, talk about, like, you know your di- dynamic when you were nine, nine. and ten. Uh, around that age, I was, I, I had, uh, I was living with my older brother, my sister. I had my mom. My mom had a boyfriend. Um, he had three kids. They they were there sometimes with us. Sometimes they weren't. Um, but I actually spent a lot of time alone. I spent a lot of time alone, and I, I didn't feel like I mattered at that point in my life. You know. Right, um, right. My brother had his things going on. My sister had her things going on. My mom had her things going on. And, you know, I didn't really have too much going on for myself other than maybe sitting in the house playing a game. And I had a lot of time to think. Right. And then I had a lot of time to actually observe, you know, like what they had going on. And I felt like no one was paying me attention as I didn't matter. And, um, and this is at 9 and 10, 10 years old. 9 and 10 you, years you, old. You like a spring chicken. Yeah. And you already And I already like feeling that way. And, yeah. um Around that time, I had uh, my the person who last name I had, which is Eccles, which is still my last name, he was presently my father at the time, and um, he was getting remarried, and around that time he got remarried, and um, his new wife, she was questioning me being his son, and uh, um, her questioning that caused some problems within all of our lives, and um, we wouldn't have to get a DNA test and everything like that. And um, it came back that he wasn't my father. Wow. And so, you know, I found out who my biological uh, biological father was at that time. And, of course, he I can understand that he might have been hurt, so he shied the way out of my life. But at the same time, I had, uh, you know, um, we, I had plans to go meet my real dad. And I had plans to go meet my real dad about two weeks, three weeks later. But he died in a car accident before I could get to go actually go meet, go meet him, wow. you know. And so yeah. um, around that period of my time, you know, I was going through a lot of identity crisis, you know, trying to figure out who you were, who I was, yeah. uh, who loved me, who cared about me, you know, those kind of things. And, um, you know, I had a lot of suicidal thoughts. And this and, and people, this is nine or 10 years old. Mm-hmm. You you having these thoughts and you, you're feeling the aloneness and you feeling because that's what it is, right? Yeah. We talked about me, you, Rouse. We talked about how you feel lonely and abandoned. Yep. Like when you, like when your 
your father, he was living. Yeah, he, he, he was, was living, and it's almost like you found out who he was, and, and then he's, he's, not he's gone. So it's like you know, like dang, nobody really wants to be around, you know, right. in, in, in a type of way, right? You know, and then um, pushing through, like we were talking about um, that band aid that you were talking about. Yeah, through through life was uh, I got into sports around that age, and um, I used to always try to actually do sports because kids in my school used to be like. You fast, you know. I was the fastest kid in all my classes. No matter what we were doing, I always win and stuff like that. And um, I finally got to run track. And uh, the way I was running track, the way I, I, I didn't say this, the, yeah. <laughs> the way I started running track is uh, one time me and my stepbrothers we were in the house, and we decided to um, go across the street. Right. Um, I used to live across the street from like the sports learning complex. And uh, we were like vandalizing the bleachers over there. Like it was things under the bleachers and everything. And uh, we got caught, and when we got caught, <laughs> we, got caught. <laughs> we got caught, and when we got caught, um, his name is Coach Henry, um, he kind of chased us, and then we ended up, you know, he caught us, you know, he was fast, but <laughs> yeah. we were fast, you know what I'm saying, he yeah. caught us, and we, he gave us the, the option, he said, either you're going to um, run track for me, or we're going to call the police, you know, you guys are going to kind of get in trouble type deal. And you know, um, you know, I, t- I said, you know, my mom can't, my mom not gonna pay for pay for this. Like we not, we're not gonna do this. And he said, don't worry about that. Wow. And so from there, you know, That's my up. my stepbrothers couldn't run, so I was initially the only one running track. And when I started to run, that's when I started to realize I had a I had a a figure that did come around, and um, that's when I started to feel appreciated. Right. You know, I, yeah, I was yeah. I was I was fast. You know, yeah. so like somebody liked me for something. You had yeah, and and you had this was like you started to really feel like this was like a sense of peace. Yeah, for definitely. you, right? And you started to feel like okay, I can identify mm-hmm. with this. And even at nine and ten, you were your mother even tried to put you through therapy, yep. put you through these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would truly say that, you know, therapy might not be for everybody. Like I'm on here. That's why I'm a life coach because I'm what you call a bridge to you getting the help that you solely desire. Mm -hmm. And for you at that young age, what God pushed you towards was track. Track, yep. And that's the, that's the, that's the amazing thing about it, right? You, you got to run on the track and you really found out. Wow, this is my my safe place. Yeah, this is this is this is what you know. I feel like God envisioned for me to do. But then we also talked about you talked about it a little bit. You talked about the band aid, right? Yeah. So at, like over time, as you got better and better, and then people started to know who you were, mm-hmm. like with track, did like those thoughts ever like come up like during like the time where you're in high school and maybe like going into college or like you just kind of like you know push them away or like didn't really talk about them um i'm gonna say those thoughts definitely affected me through the whole process honestly i feel like um at that time, like I told you, like back then, that I didn't matter to my own family. Yeah. So in a way, I kind of carried it through that way. It's like they didn't care about me at the time, 
it's no way that these people that I, I I'm just meeting care yeah. about me. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was like um, they like me for what I can do rather than who I am. You know, so I still felt deep down inside against the people right. that I didn't matter. But I still felt that, impo- that I did matter because you know I was getting the the love and the and getting the accolades and reaching the, the highest of all the highest levels in my sport. So it kind of gave me that comfort zone to you know keep going to keep you know just keep going. If I want to feel this feeling, feel I want to f- people like to feel needed as people, right? And um, through like my coaches, through my teammates, I felt needed, you know, and it was a. It was a place that bought me peace, you know? Yeah. It, def- it definitely was. It definitely was. It's the same thing with me with, you know, football. It was just a place of peace. And I think that's a lot of for a lot of us athletes, that's mm-hmm. where we, you know, find our peace. Um, but the one thing that I do want to talk about is it does find our peace, right? Or yeah. I shouldn't say find our peace, but... It gives us peace. It gives us, it gives us peace for the moment. Right. Like you, you are, and saying. then you already know where I'm going. It's like, yeah. okay, who are we without all of that? Right? Who is God calling us to be without that? And that's... And that's, that's the, the tough part because yeah. you were feeling abandoned. We all had that some, at some point in our lives. You yeah. found you found something that gave you that, mm-hmm. right? That that brought you out of that that phase where you felt needed. Yeah. But then you got to the highest pinnacle of your career. You were doing what you're supposed to be doing. You went to South Carolina, and you're running. I I met you know my wife, your cousin, at pin relays. Mm-hmm. That's where you used to get yeah, down at. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that is you crazy. That's crazy. That. Yeah. That is, <laughs> you know I do that, dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do my research. Yeah, you know what I mean? But nah, um, yeah, I, I think once you got to that point, right, when you're getting like to Olympics and yeah. you're, you're trying, that, that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal. Um, People don't really understand the Olympics sometimes. It's yeah. every four years. Right. They're only taking a top three in each event yeah. for our country, in which our country is the hardest team to make. The hardest team to make. Um, and then, but every every year there's, a, like, a world championship, but people only care about the Olympics. The Olympics you know what yeah. I'm saying? So that's the ultimate goal is to reach that team. And um, like you were saying, like, I was a top dog, you know. I was. I remember coming out of college. I was the number one college kid coming out at the fastest time going into the Olympic trials, things like that. So yes, sir. it was meant for me to to make it there and things like that. But my that was my ultimate goal, making an Olympic team. You know, I did. I didn't know too much about like professional tracking to keep going past that point. But it was make this team, and you know, I got the Olympic trials, and ultimately it was like I ran a bad race, boom, mm. you know. And so you go from that to. Everybody thinks you're this, this and that, and that, and that's how they identify you. To mm. you run a bad race, you don't get the you don't get the big contract that everybody's hoping you're gonna get. You don't get the big, the, you don't become this big guy. You just become mm. back down to a surface level person. And I'm not gonna downplay it because I was still able to run professionally, uh, run overseas, travel the world, and get a lot, get exposed to a lot. But I still wasn't who necessarily. 
I thought I should be or pe- well, I'm gonna say me because I didn't know, but people thought I should be, you know. Right, but that's like people's perception. Perception, and yeah. Then perception. They wise. put it on you, mm-hmm. and then that's the pressure that you carry with you exactly. to succeed. But really, success is not a destination. It's not. It's a mindset. So even through your trials, you were already successful. Yeah, you like, were already where you needed to be. Now let's let's talk about like you said you ran a bad race, mm-hmm. right? What were you feeling in that moment? Like because there's been times where I've been on the field and people can say what they want about me is you know I played six years but you know I don't got the stats or whatever. Yeah. But I used to be handicapped on the field because I would be so afraid to mess up. I would be so afraid. <laughs> To just, you know, be. I, I was not being out there. Like, yeah. what I'm talking about being. Like, just being the person that I know I could be. Mm-hmm. I was not doing that. I was just, anxiety was at, a, at an all-time high. And then that would cause me to be depressed because I couldn't get through my anxiety each and every game. Right? I didn't believe in myself. How did that used to affect you? You know, you was about to say on the field, but uh-huh. off the field. Man, um, so when I got, it's crazy because when I got into the NFL, the first year I didn't, I didn't play, right? And it was solely because I really didn't even believe in myself to play. Even though you were a first-round draft pick? Even though I was a first-round draft pick, there's an amount of pressure that comes along with you being a Mm first-rounder, right? And I'm not going to sit up here and say I was ready for it. I'm not going to lie and say I was ready for it yeah. because I wasn't. Because guess what? I was the first one in my family to ever make it that far. Okay. So who in the hell was going to tell me what to expect and what to do? And right? they had, I had never to learn, been close. I had to learn on the fly. And then being in the facility, um, you know, I really was just trying to earn the respect of my teammates and my coaches. And I just felt like that. I couldn't. I used to sit in my room and, and cry all the time because I wanted to be better, but I was dealing with something that was deeper than football. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we are with you because it wasn't that you ran a bad race. It was you was dealing with something that carried with you all the way from you was nine or ten. Yeah. And I wanted to prove something to, to other everybody else. Right. And to myself that I was good enough, you know. Right. I was good enough, and he I was, was carrying that. Yeah, that was always. I got. I got to show people I matter. You know what I'm saying? Right. I matter. It was like the biggest thing. Like they, you won't forget this name. You know? Right. Something like that. So uh, that's definitely how I carried it. And then, um, but a race like that, like I still never forget that race. You know, I watched the race over and over. You know, like first, first out the blocks, I'm over. You know, just but yeah. I'm thinking like I gotta do this. I gotta do this. But me thinking so much, I couldn't really focus on what I was doing. And uh, just, I mean, I, I remember, like, after that moment, I just felt like a failure for so long. I felt why, like, why did you feel like a failure? Because I feel like I had uh, expectations put on me. But I don't know if it was the expectations from people or was it the, the expectations I created for myself. I think it was a little bit of both. Because that's, that's, that's all of us. yeah. I would, I would say I would say it was a, it's a little bit of both only because you want to prove people mm-hmm. that you are who you say you are. Yeah. And then you also want to prove to yourself mm-hmm. that you are who you say you are, right? And then when you 
don't necessarily reach that goal that you obtained for yourself, you think you failed. But really, at the end of the day, I look at L's as lessons. As lessons, yeah. Instead of, you know, you ain't, you ain't losing. I ain't, I ain't losing. I was, you know, like, no, nah, I'm not losing. I'm, I'm, I'm so, there. I'm, so that's I'm, what we can go into right now is mm-hmm. uh, what was that like once it didn't happen for you? Like, what you wanted didn't necessarily go through. Go. Okay. Like, talk about that process in between, like, before you get to where you are now, because we're going to go to that next. Okay. I would say, you know, I went, I crawled back into that same hole that I was when I was a, a little boy. Yeah. I got into that depression state wondering, like, do people, because, you know, I got I started getting treated different. I went from, you know, I'm in the papers, I'm on TV, I'm, I'm doing these things, and people are always walking around, hey, hey, they're happy to say something to you, things like that, too. Right. It's like you walk past people, you don't even matter anymore. And then so you, I, I crawled back into this hole of I'm really, I'm, I'm, um, I started to feel like nobody again. And it's almost like, do people even really care about me? Did, did people ever care about me this whole time? Did they just, uh, it went back to coaches, to friends, to everybody. Like, were they just been my friend for this reason? Because of who you were. Because of who I were or what I did at yeah. the time, you know? Yeah. And so I went through that phase of the uh, depression again of, I was looking for love in the wrong places, you know, through through females, through like a lot of things, you know, and trying to, I was, you know, just a lot of different things. You know, I started like I was never a, a drinker, drinker, or I go a smoker, smoker, but you know, I was looking for ways out of coping. what coping it. Yeah, and um, it got to where as though you know, I had lost a lot of weight. Things, a lot of things started to happen, you know, and I it, it took a click for. Everybody was like, you got to do this to, you know, be successful. That's over. So, you know, I started working. I started working a, a, a job, seven to seven hours managing that enterprise. And it was cool. It was a little bit. It was some money in my pocket and everything. Yeah. But I was at work miserable mm-hmm. every day. Every day just, like, putting on a face. Like, hey, hey, hey. It's like, you're the guy. Like, I, I was kind of <laughs> I was kind of upset for real. And I look back, I laugh now. Yeah. Uh, but I had the opportunity to meet um, another young man who actually played, like, professional basketball overseas, but he was over there working with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was sitting there, and I did get my degree in uh, uh, advertising and marketing with a minor psychology, so I had a great background of, you know, like, um, visuals and, you know, manipulation through visuals and things like that. And um, he had his own videography business. You know, I was really into it. And I saw what he was doing. It was weights totally different from what I wanted to do. You know, um, I wrote a 40-page business plan. You know, it got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to just sit here and keep feeling like this because I am. You know, I dug myself out of that hole when I was little. Right. Out of, or I was band-aided, you know, or something came, a passion came along that helped me keep moving. Right. And so once I started working on a business plan and I brought it to life, and I, I had a like, girlfriend at that time where so I felt like, wow, I have to really choose myself at yeah, this point yeah. and, and to move forward. And um, I got I got to kick and quit my job. And I just said, you know, I'm going to take this chance on myself. I took chances on myself. Every time I stepped on the line, I had to track me. Why can't I do it like, with my life, you know? Right, right. And so doing that, you know, I started doing um, – Videography, open up, got my own LLC. Yeah, been doing that for. Tell, about, tell them what your 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 company is called. Uh, company is called Rebellious Identity. You can yes, see it here, indeed. On the yeah. sweater, you know, I still got some sweatshirts. Y'all need them. Uh-huh. Yeah, for got sure. it on my neck too, you know, because I got it here because 
every time I look in the mirror, I see it. And, you know, I can't make no excuses because I got it right here. You know what I'm saying? So uh, right. that's very big to me. Man, I want to talk about that a little bit. Because um, you, 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 you said some, some key points in, in there. And I want to talk about identity. Mm-hmm. You talk about rebellious identity. You, yeah. You've gotten to this point where you, let's go all the way back through, 9 to 10, dealing with anxiety, depression. Mm-hmm. Right? Finding track. Right? That was a part of your identity. Mm-hmm. Right? It wasn't your identity, but you thought it was your I identity. thought it was me. Just that like I thought football was. was just, that's how, yeah. You got to the highest pinnacle. It didn't necessarily work out. Then you went, it went back into another period of you really trying to redefine yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you come up with this business, right, where you shoot visuals, pictures, you know, whatever it may be as far as content, mm-hmm. and you come up with the name Rebellious Identity. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, because it is. our identity is really us really finding out uh, who, who, we we are. Tr- who we truly are, right, and what we are passionate about. Mm-hmm. And our sport sometimes our band-aids for the stuff that we're dealing with, it's not going anywhere, mm-hmm. right? It's still there. Like, it's on. It's in the back, of, still, your, yeah. back of your brain. Until you manifest and bring it up here and actually deal with those demons that you were feeling as a young person yeah. and talk about those things, they're still going to be there. And you'll realize, like, man, I really never talked about this. I never this addressed other. those problems. Right. Yeah. But did we know? No. Because it just, nah, it's like something just, it's like something just blinding you from that. It's like something that just, know. like, it's just throwing them back at you. Honestly, like, uh, I don't know if we said it, but it's almost like um, the pain and aggression. Football and track and field, they're both aggressive, aggressive sports. A lot of pain and, and anger was let out. Ooh, yep. You know? Yeah. That's when we get to go smack somebody upside the head, you know, for for free and you don't get in trouble. Right. You get to you get to you get to use that on somebody else. Right. In a violent sport, you know what I'm right. saying. So. Right. Then when you don't have it no more, you have you to don't, learn how you, to kind of control it. Yeah. Kind of how to hold, trying to hold it in without doing something crazy or yeah. taking it out on somebody or anything yeah. like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have some. I'm gonna have some other football guys on here, and we're gonna we're gonna really talk about this thing because we got we gotta dissect this thing. Because mm-hmm. um, I was just reading something. Um, next, the next shoot that we have, uh, I'm gonna read it. It was talking about black men and suicide. Mm-hmm. We oftentimes really don't, we don't say anything. Like we were, we were say that we're good all the way until it's too late, right? And I really wanted to to speak about that just because, um, you know, we're too successful black young men mm-hmm. um and i don't want to make this thing about race but i want to people to be aware and for kids and people in college and for people who are really striving to be their very best self we've been through it like we yeah. went through everything and we still going. It's, it's a process it's not something that just goes away it's something that we have to work on daily Daily, it's a daily habit. So I want to, um, I want, I do want to tap back into because I want the people to actually um, hear we we're talking about identity. Yeah. And through through though the process of life and even what we're saying, like we thought that the sports might have been our identity. That yeah. Even with the this name here, it's, it's it sticks out not only to me and other people because I feel like 
you won't be happy until you're living in your truth. Ooh. And what I mean by that is, you know, like that's a gym. Not for real. Oh, you gotta say that again, dog. No, nah, you won't be happy until you're living in your own truth. You can't. What I learned through my processes in life, um, I lived through those bad things, and as I got to my lowest points, I got to actually think about the highs in my life too and compare. You know, though I went through all those things, I looked like yeah. Um, even though I didn't have my father there, there, right. There were some men in my life I was able to choose. Like I like this characteristic in him. I like this characteristic in him. I like this characteristic in him. Yeah. And I made my I made myself out of all these great characteristics from these men. And that's who I define myself as the person who I made myself and living in that truth and yeah. and and leaving from being this person to, you know, just just being who you want to be and not caring what people think. And I think I think that's true. That's that's one of the biggest ways I feel like is getting out of abandonment and feeling like you don't matter. Because, mm. like I was telling you the other day, is that deep down inside, you, you can't really take a lot of things personal mm-hmm. as far as like no one's paying attention because everybody's living their own life. And um, like what I was just saying the other day, it was about. Um, he was saying something about what did he say about abandonment being a feeling. You know how to describe abandonment. That, and I think the best way to describe it, obviously, Rouse helped us describe it was, um, you know, most of the emotions that we have, whether it's anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. those things, those are feelings that you can actually identify and feel. Mm-hmm. But when you feel alone, other than like nobody being there, like that, you can't really feel. You know what I'm saying? That part of yeah. it, you just know that nobody's there. Nobody's there. You know what I mean? No and that's and and that's really, you know, that's exactly how you feel, and that's why we have to continue to find our identity and mm-hmm. know who we are. Like, and we have to teach our kids that. I have two kids. My number one thing to them is to let them have a voice, Yeah, for one, mm-hmm. right? They have to have a voice. It's not talking back if they tell you how they feel, right? You just have to be able to talk with them and let them know and I be able to that. answer the questions I love that. that they have, right? And that's, then that's how we continue to push what we've learned 